such a mystery. In fact, when we're talking about a child exiting school, it can feel downright scary. That's exactly why we're going to talk today all about transition planning with Heather on the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and Heather, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. So tell us, how did you end up at an IEP table? Um, I could like throw it all the way back and tell you about how when I was five years old, my mom asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. I said, I want to be a teacher, uh, but I'll try to fast forward, you know, way past that timeline. Um, I just always had an interest and was always just fascinated by people um, who just live life differently than me. You know, when I was younger, I didn't really understand, you know, having disabilities and all that stuff. But once I kind of better understood that, um, it just became like a genuine interest to want to support, learn myself, um, and just, you know, create better opportunities, um, for individuals with disabilities. And so, um, that is kind of how I landed at the IEP table. And I've had many kind of experiences within my, um, teaching experience. I actually started off um, in a private school that didn't have quote unquote special education. And then I morphed into co-teaching and then I morphed into um, self-contained. And then I ended up in transition, which has really had um, my heart. And even in that scope, I just continue to work with um, students with different levels of needs. So um, I feel content right where I am at. I think this is where I'm supposed to be. I love that so much. You know, a lot of times when we talk about special education, we're talking about the early years, you know, early intervention. We're talking about what do we do in elementary school? What do we do? And it's so different when we're talking about transition planning. There's a different focus. There's a different vibe. There's just um, different feelings at the IEP table throughout all of this process. So I asked you to bring some top solutions or some top questions, some top talking points. I was like, just give us some top things that we can share with all of the parents, teachers, admins, therapists that are listening, because I want to help change the conversation around transition planning. So it doesn't feel so scary, so elusive, and that we start doing it better than we have been in the past, because just quite honestly, I'm just going to call it out. Transition planning has not gotten the attention that it needs in special education. A lot of times it's just kind of part of the process that doesn't get a big focus. So let's go ahead and start um, jumping in that. So we're going to talk about our transition planning. And so what ages do you work with? Like, so this strategies that these strategies that we're talking about, what, what ages? Yeah. So my, uh, students typically in transition, it's from, it's the post high school experience. So that's 18 to 22. There are some States that go a little bit older than that. Um, but typically they're 18 to 22 years old. All right. So, so hit us, give us some conversation topics and things we need to know. Yeah. And maybe I should, maybe I should preface that and say the transition plan starts earlier than that, right? There's, this is the, the, the details, you know, um, yeah. Transition plan, part of the IEP starts before age 18, but transition services um, or transition programming really uh, is that post high school experience. I love that you differentiated that because us here, like talking jargon and, and doing those things so important. So yes, make sure that if your child or your students are, are approaching that, you know, 14, 15, 16, depending on what state you're in. The paperwork shuffle will start early, but the actual delivery and a specific, you know, kind of this is the purpose of education right now that starts a little bit later. So, all right. So 18 to 22, yeah. what do we need to know? So it isn't number one, I would say it is, it is not a continuation of the high school experience. Um, so really the focus um, kind of takes a shift, that mental shift from being 
mainly focused on academics in high school to now we're you know focused on those functional skills um, and how can we achieve help students achieve the outcomes that they've identified in their transition plan so that's related to their independent living um, and education training employment those um, areas so it's what kind of experiences what kind of skills do we need to build um, to achieve those. And so uh, it is a shift. It is, you know, when I meet with parents, you know, they're, you know, well, what kind of math class are they going to take? <laughs> you know, like, are you going to keep working on reading? And we're not, we're not sitting in a traditional classroom working on the skills like they have experienced in the high school setting. We're really saying, what have they learned and how can we make that functional? How can we, you know, continue to apply those in different settings? How can we build upon that skill? But more importantly, how can we maintain the skills that they've been learning all throughout their school experience, um, just in new and different ways they may not have had um, as much practice or exposure to? So it's not about giving up. So a lot of people feel that they're like, okay, so my child's going into transition planning and the team told me I need to give up on all academics. And I'm like, no, it's not giving up. Things can look different and you can still have progress in academics. We're not giving up on it, but we're doing things differently. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes, definitely. And I think that leads into um, my point number two is that, you know, the services are a spectrum. Um, they can look a lot of different ways. I think a lot of us, you know, educators um, and probably a lot of administrators and even families out there have this preconceived idea of what they think who, you know, the ideal population for transition services. You know, they're typically the student um, who is working on independent living skills. Maybe they're working towards a part-time or volunteer position in the future. And really it can look a lot different than that. Um, and so I, I do wanna preface to say that depending what state you're in, depending what, you know, school district um, area of a state you're in, that may look very different, right? But it can be a lot more expansive than um, maybe what is currently available. All right, so tell us, like, let's just, like, just tell. So here's the thing, like, like, that's our disclaimer. We cannot guarantee, like, do not go to your school team and say, I heard this podcast mm -hmm. and they said that you have to do this. That's not what we're saying. Right. What we're going to, I, I just want, Heather, I want you to share a couple of ideas of what do you, what do you mean by that? Because, you know, I only have the experience that I have being a teacher. And then what my brother, who's 44 with Down syndrome, you know, I have the experience of what he experienced and his friends experienced through transition. I know there's, you know, thousands of different options that I've never seen before. So, so give us a few examples. Yeah, so it can look, you know, mainly focused on those um, skills related to helping them explore vocational opportunities. So maybe their end goal is to help secure a local volunteer position that can just provide some meaning to their day, help them increase their independent living skills so that when they're at home living with their family, because that's what they want, right, that they're able to contribute in a meaningful way, that it's an all not falling back on that primary caregiver. Then it could look at, you know, more focused on vocational, but just, you know, kind of at a higher bar, a different bar, so to say. Maybe they want to get that part-time or even full-time um, competitive employment, but they have just never had a job. You know, they think of jobs and it's very limited what they think is even available because they've never had exposure. Um, so helping them to explore the different careers, find out what they like and they don't like, not just through like an inventory or watching videos online, but to actually experience the job, go in and do the job. Um, and figure out, you know, where there are gaps and holes and how can we fill them. And then all the way on, you know, kind of the uh, academic side um, is if they're accessing a community college um, is helping them to really 
kind of smooth out the that change from the high school level supports, which I like to say is just everybody in the background is doing everything, but nobody's really talking about it in front of the student. It just shows up one day and everything's just there, right? Um, because when they get to that high school experience, excuse me, the college experience, they're going to have to be their own advocate. You know, they're going to have to realize what accommodations they have. They're going to have to be able to articulate their disability. They're going to have to do that many times over every time they have a test or a new professor. Um, understanding what it's like to access a tutoring um, facility, if they have other needs, social emotional, that they need to access that outside of the college setting. So um, no, nobody's really going into the college class with them or helping them get to the college class and taking notes. That's not what that looks like, but more how can you smooth out that experience, um, which sometimes can be um, very difficult for students who are just used to having everything brought to them, um, you know, just Right. Like you just know, it's like all magical, you know, sometimes like it just feels like, well, when I go into a classroom, this is what exists. And they don't even know that those things typically don't exist, that they actually were put there for a reason. You know, when you say, you know, kind of this exploration of, of what works and what doesn't work, I, I, you know, being a sibling, I, I, you know, I was nosy and I would get to know what my brother was doing and all of that. And there are certain things that I remember. And this one I did remember, I like, I remember it vividly about his transition planning. So his transition planning, um, his transition program um, had him working in different jobs in the community. And it was, uh, you know, all different kinds of jobs. And I remember he, um, he worked at a kennel and he had to help keep the kennel clean, like an animal shelter kind of thing. So he was working there and trying out his job skills and doing those things. He did that just fine. He, um, went to a hardware store and it's, you know, in hardware stores, you really do like, you have to sort everything and make sure the aisles are all everything stocked appropriately. He did that just fine. Then he went and he worked at a hairdresser place. Now my brother, he likes to flirt. And so we were laughing and we're like, oh my gosh, like he's going to love this. He's going to be around all the girls and they're going to be cutting the hair and all the things. And his job was to clean up. Now he has proven he can clean. He's at the kennel cleaning up at the kennel. We'll just leave it. We all know what's there. Okay. Right. He's sweeping up the hair and we, it turns out he has a gag reflex to hair. We didn't even know that. And they were like, we're sorry. He can't come here anymore because he literally can't perform the job because he he was grossed out by it. And like, you would have never known, like we would have never known as his family, if he would have been offered that job after high school, we would have said yes. And he would have failed because we didn't know that. So that was a, it was a great experience, but it was just kind of, I was like, you know, as a big sister, I'm teasing him. I'm like, seriously, you can clean up after the dogs, but you can't sweep up the hair. Like, what's the problem, Robert? And he's like, don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) But those learned experiences, they're so valuable. They're so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else do you have for us? So I would say number three is that transition is the prime time to access benefits. So federal benefits, state benefits, community benefits. Um, And you know, the old saying that, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. Yes. If a student gets into transition and they want to take, you know, full advantage of those four years, or if they have, you know, a couple more, depending on where they live, they can, but it goes really fast. And so as somebody who helps families, you know, a large part of my role, I, I spend part of my time in the classroom, but part of my time um, is spent supporting families and kind of learning about and understanding what benefits are out there, what their student is eligible for, helping them learn, you know, how to apply, how to go through the process, you know, as they're waiting, once they get approved or denied what that looks like, that all takes a lot of time. And so if, you know, 
for families so who are just so much, time, so much. Yes. Time. You know, I like to say, if you're consistent and on top of it, and you've got a couple of things to work through, that's two years. Like think that it's going to take you two years to get through it. I want so, you guys to hear that. Like hear I that. I don't even like, I don't want to, I just, we're pausing for a minute. Like hear that. Even if you are the most organized person, you are the most diligent. You are the most consistent. You're like, I got this. This is a, the system, if you think the school system moves slow, holy cow, when we get out of the school system. So yeah, when you say two years to get yeah. things, some things accomplished, like, and when we say accomplished, sometimes we mean getting the file started and filled out correctly. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so this is not something that you want to start, you know, learning about um, the last year that the student is in transition. You ideally want to learn about this in high school so that you can start applying for them um, going through the process during transition so that you can, you know, be all set up. The whole goal, the whole hope for transition is that when that very last day comes and the school bus stops coming, that it doesn't feel like a cliff, that it really feels like we've been accessing these things. We have the funding, we have the supports, we know what transportation looks like, vocational experience, all of these things. It just naturally continues on. That is the ultimate hope. And so we need to start early. So uh, I'm going to ask you to do an educated guesstimate here. How many? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I want to, and it, it's going to be a reality check. And, uh, you know, um, it, the ultimate goal is that there's not a cliff. There's, there's a continuation of services. We know it wouldn't be perfect, but I get it. There's, a, there's not a big lull of, of gap of this is what I did in school and this is what I'm doing now. What percentage of um, families do you think that you've worked with or Anna Holt, what percentage do you think actually have that type of feeling at the end? Like, yes, it's going to be scary. Yes, this, 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 but actually have that close to ideal situation. I'm going to say that would even be hard for me to pin down. And I'll tell you why. I think a large part of it is because learning about benefits was never covered in my undergraduate or my graduate programs. This is something that I had to like hear about, you know, go and attend seminars, do my own research. And once I started doing that and realizing this is something that I need to figure out so I can better support my families, then I was able to better support them. And I was able to do it earlier and earlier. So, you know, I would say in my very first few years of transition, 100% went out like completely unprepared. And now that I have this knowledge and I know how to better support families, um, I would say that number is a lot lower who don't feel ready. Um, and having had the experience of not knowing anything and you know not feeling like I was doing right by my students and my families um, and having never learned about this, even though it is so critical to their long-term success, right? Like the school is gonna stop providing supports and if they've never heard about these things, they're probably never going to access them. Um, I created a whole professional development intended for educators like myself to learn about what's available, to find out the experts that are in the area and help families get connected so that they have somebody to continue supporting them through the application process, the approval process, denial process, and then after. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that in, in my experience, and I love that you say that, and I, I wanna, again, just kind of repeat it. Um, Heather said that 100% of the families felt unprepared. So we don't want you in that, in that category. We want you feeling prepared. I will tell you the only um, people that I felt in my experience were prepared. It was a unique situation where like my brother went to a therapeutic day school. 
um, all the way through high school um, into transition. And so I, you know, we had a lot of family friends, right. That went there also, they also had an after 22 program in the community. So if you went to school there and then you qualified to be in their after 22 program, there was a smooth transition because it was provided by, I'm going to call a sister organization, right? It wasn't continuation of the school district, but it was a sister organization on the same, well, on a similar campus, like nearby and all of that. That is the only time that I have seen this transition planning happen smoothly is when the school district was connected to the, the next step because there's such a disconnect. And that's what I'm hearing you say. There's such a disconnect and parents are expected to put all the pieces together. And I just have to say, thank you for being that resource in the community that's helping them put this connection together because nobody did that for my family. Not even in the, not even the therapeutic day school. It was just like, well, we don't know what else to do. So he will go to this next step of, of things because we didn't know any better. Yeah. And, and parents have so much to, to figure. It's so difficult. So I, I love that you said like nobody taught it. You saw a gap and you had to go find it. So I want to encourage all of our teachers that are out there like, oh my goodness, please go do that. And parents just know that teachers, teachers don't know. They, they right. don't know. Right. And, and I think this is, you know, for those administrators who are listening to this, like these roles, these roles of transition coordinators, um, anybody who's supporting families who they're not, they may not be the ones who are teaching a class. And so the roles aren't always understood and may not be perceived as, as valuable. They're incredibly valuable, right? Like these are the, the people in the, in the positions that, um, are really supporting families to make sure that they have that long-term success after they are done um, in the school setting. They're, they're so valuable. Oh, so very important. Okay, what else you got for us? Um, so number four, I'd say the student voice is so key, right? So I think all throughout their previous time in school, you know, they've been told what, you know, English class they're gonna take and what math class they're gonna take, or you have these two electives, what, you know, what class do you wanna take? Or, you know, here are the sports that are available. What do you, what do you wanna do, right? And now is the time that their voice should be the leading voice and should be, you know, heard, you know, the loudest, so to say. Um, and that really just comes back to like internal motivation, right? Like if my friend picks out the restaurant and I'm kind of ho-hum about it, I'm not going to go and research the menu and say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to, you know, order this or order that. But if I pick out the restaurant, I know what my appetizer is going to be, my entree, my dessert, right? I'm so excited because I have an internal motivation to want to have a great dining experience. Same for our students. When they know that their voice matters, they're going to have that internal motivation. When we, if we can help them kind of, you know, weed through all the things they've been told they should want, that they're seeing their peers pursue and they think that they have to pursue, right? When we really get to the soul of what they want for their own future and they realize what's available and they can pick through those options and say, this is what I want that is going to get them so much farther. They're going to want to achieve those goals and they're going to be living a life that they want to live. That is so um, difficult for so many people too. And not, I'm not mm -hmm. even just trying, I'm not talking about just students with IEPs or in transition planning. Uh, my daughters are 18 and 19. They just like launched into the real world, right? So they're, they're both graduates. They graduated a year apart and um, they both decided that college is not right for them right now, at least. And, and they're figuring it out. So I'm like, what do you want to do? And they're like, they're almost like, well, what should I do? And I'm not my decision. Like, 
what do you want? I can help you process through your options, but it's like having that open opportunity. And again, no matter if it's, uh, you know, my daughters who did not have IEPs who are launching into the real world, right. Or if it's my brother, um, or his friends that were just like, what do you want to do? It's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like that's a difficult process. Something we really need to lean into. Yes. And I think too, there's often a, a feeling um, for families that I see in my role of like, well, they're going to go to college. That, that's what I want them to do. You know, and, and, and yes, we want the family's input, but at the same time, is that what the student wants? Does the student realize they're signing up for however many more years of school, you know, academic um, uh, rigor and stuff like that? Is that what they want? Is there another way for us to get to the same result without having to go through that um, kind of what's expected, that expected path, right? Like, I love this shift that I'm seeing of, you know, don't make trade school a bad thing, right? Like, that's not a second rate experience, right? We all need the trades. We need them now more than ever. Um, so just making sure in whatever capacity, whether that's, you know, an academic capacity, work capacity, even a living capacity, like, what does the student want for their life? And how can we make sure that we are putting that in the forefront of all of our decisions. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. You got one more for us. I got one more. Um, and I kind of already looped around to this, but prep for exit starting year one. Like I've mentioned, you know, a lot of these things take time. A lot of these, um, you know, these things we want to consider, they need to be talked about. You know, these ideas need to be marinated, you know, thought through, tried, retried, tried again, tried in a different way. Um, everything takes time. Um, so as scary as it may seem, like your first year in transition, you're probably like, whoo, as a parent, I just made it to a transition or the student may be feeling like this is so different than high school. Yes, it may seem weird to start talking about how we're going to be ready, getting ready for, you know, the school bus to stop coming, but that now is the time to be doing that. I love that so much um, in that, like, we have to do that backward chain thinking, begin with the end of my, in mind, you know, get that paperwork started and, you know, yeah, take a breath. Okay. We made it to age 18, take a breath mm -hmm. and then just realize, yeah, these next four years are going to fly by. But, you know, if you're really considering these five things that we just talked about and having the tough conversations and finding the resources and, you know, leaning on your, uh, if you're a teacher, you know, leaning on your other colleagues who have been doing this maybe longer than you, or maybe they, they have other resources that you don't know about. Cause we find that all the time too. We're like, there's resources. We had no idea. How come my colleague knew? And I didn't know, you know, having those conversations of how to exit somebody, um, from the school system or parents, like said, like, you are not alone when this feels like you are uh, walking around a room with a blindfold on, just feeling around for like, where's the exit door? And, right. and you don't know what you're going to find in that room. You don't know how to get there. You don't know what's going on. That is extremely typical of this situation, unfortunately, with that. So um, Heather, share with us a little bit about, um, you know, beyond the classroom, how do you help serve? I believe that you, you have some other things going on um, that where you help others, correct? Yes. So I have, as I mentioned, the professional development that I created, um, it's called Confused to Connected. And the whole hope is that, you know, if you're currently confused about, you know, any sorts of benefits, you know, you, people start, if I start throwing out acronyms and you're like, I have no idea what they mean, right? We want to make sure that you feel like you have a base knowledge as an educator to know who would be eligible for these benefits and why, and then creating a network and really helping your families go through that in a 
seamless process. I've done all the work. I realize what doesn't work, what does work and how you can do things quicker and faster. Um, so I have that professional development available. And then um, I have launched um, a community. So as of March 1st, um, the SPED transition teacher community, which is not just limited to transition teachers, like this is for teachers at the transition level, high school level, transition coordinators, anybody who kind of helps um, students achieve those transition plan goals and outcomes um, is just really a place to consistently learn. So weekly learning opportunities, weekly emails, um, a platform to ask questions, secret blog posts, the ability to connect with me to ask me anything um, unique and just more. So uh, I, love I know that that was something I was looking for, you know, yeah. early in my teaching time. And I, I feel very um, compelled to give back and, and create that to provide um, teachers with support because I don't, as you said earlier, this is a very unique position. It it's, it's niche within special education. And because of that, there's not always, you know, good information out there. Um, and so I want to create that. I love that. So I want everybody who's listening just to know that, like, if you're feeling like that, um, we'll have links here, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, there's links for you to find out what those resources are. We're also going to be, um, you know, continuing the conversation with you inside of the inner circle, I believe, correct? You're coming in <laughs> yes. to do um, a guest teaching session. So, and continue this conversation, go in depth. So, um, so we'll have information for that. If you are not a member of the inner circle, you want to be, that's where we continue the in-depth kind of high level conversations with our podcast experts and, and talk about all of these topics. Um, just it, it, at a different, in a different way, the, the way that you can get your questions answered. So um, the other thing I'm going to ask everyone to do, especially if you're listening on Apple podcasts, please leave a five-star review and let us know that you loved this episode. It's really important for us to help more parents and teachers. Something as simple as leaving a review can have a huge impact in helping us reach more parents and teachers so we can help more students really be prepared for further education, employment, and independent living. So with that, Heather, I want to say thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is so good. I will see you soon inside of the inner circle. Again, everybody follow the links and don't let transition be that scary phase. Let it be, uh, you know, this time for you to really prepare for what's next and understand that you have a lot of opportunities. You just have to know where to find them and we can help you do that. So, all right, everyone, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.